Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Hope you enjoyed the worship this morning. And uh, some of you, this is your first time with us. So glad that you came today to worship with us on this beautiful Sunday uh, morning here. Finally had some beautiful days here. And uh, we had a great weekend. Yesterday we had tons of trucks, which is a, an event that the Macomb Township put together. And, um, and there's over 5,000 people. So there were tons of trucks, all these trucks there and all these different things that people can go on. And tons of people. And we had a baby care station providing a need for the, the event. We invited a bunch of people to a vacation Bible school, which is happening here in a few, in a, in a short little bit, in about six weeks from now. Uh, BBS is happening here at Lake Point. And uh, so happening, it's a great weekend, and I hope you've been able to enjoy it. Um, but if this is your first time with us inside of your program, inside there, there's a connection card, and uh, we actually take a minute fill that out. Let us know about, our, about your visit with us this morning. And thank you for being here. And at the end of the service, it's an offering, and you can drop that card in the offering basket. And um, I want to start off, we're in the middle of a series on Jonah, Jonah and me, because we're not just talking about Jonah, but we're seeing a lot about who we are in the story. And we're also seeing how Jesus is in the story as well. Um, as I started off, I brought my golf club up here, and uh, I know we got some golfers. And, um, and uh, by the way, let's give it up for the golfers that are in here because they had a, every temptation as they drove by a couple of golf courses on the way to church, not to go to church, you know, because it was a beautiful day. But yeah, let's give it up for the golfers here, all right? We got them. All right. Because uh, they, they, they say, hey, we can golf after church. That's right. And uh, so I got my big Bertha golf, golf club here. This is my driver. And, um, and I am not the best golfer in the room. I promise you that. And um, I, I could be up there with the worst, okay? And, but uh, I love playing. Um, of course, I'm, I get out there on the golf course, and, and I got my swing. And I'm working on my swing, and, and I hit the ball, and, uh, and it always goes left. How many of you guys got that problem? How many of you ladies got that problem? All right, it always goes left, all right? It always goes right. And, uh, but for me, you know you're in God's favor when you hit a tree and it comes back on the fairway. And I always call the other golfers, I golf with, I say, that's the pastor's bounce. You know, I got the pastor's bounce. I got God on my side. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm always going to make it one way or the other. And, um, and I, I'm telling you, I, I, am, I am better than I used to be. Better than I used to be. But, you know, I still struggle. Um, when we were in Florida uh, and I was at a church, we had a mission conference. And, um, and part of our mission conference was we'd take the missionaries, all the missionaries that came, uh, we went golfing. And, and so... We, you know, I had to take a couple missionaries with us, and, you know, we had two carts, you know, and there's four of us playing, and uh, I got a missionary in my cart, and another pastor staff member has a, another missionary in his golf cart, and, and there, there was this one missionary who'd never played golf in his life. He'd never been on a golf course, but he thought this would be a fun experience, and so I remember we took him out there, and, uh, and he, he's from, you know, missionary in Africa, you know, he, he, he's over there, and he's over here, you know, for a few, for, for a few months, you know, raising support, financial support, prayer support, 
And, and I, I remember these guys, you know, coming right up, and it's my turn to hit the ball. And the other golf cart and that missionary, you know, got a little too close to me. I should have given them a heads up, but they were on the side. So I got the golf cart or the golf ball right here. I'm looking right here. I got the golf cart and the missionary, you know, that God has used so well in his life uh, right here. You would think that's a safe place to be. But when I'm golfing, it's not a safe place to be. And I remember I got to that ball and I swung the club and I hit that ball right here on the toe. We called it the toe. And that ball went sideways through the golf cart right in front of that missionary's nose. And I'm thinking, I almost killed a missionary today. That would have been a bad day. Been a bad day for Africa, too. I mean, it would have been bad. I mean, it's just terrible. And I remember saying, oh, man. Now, back then, I had a rule. I know this is not a real golf rule, but I was thankful for my rule. Because when you play golf, you can make your own rules. And in my rule, every nine hole, I allowed myself to have one mulligan. A mulligan. Now, what is a mulligan? A mulligan is a do-over. It was like the first shot never counted. It was like, forget that terrible shot, you're not going to find it, or you almost killed a missionary kind of a shot. All right, you can take, in my rule, a mulligan. It's fun to play with me on the golf course, okay? I'm, I'm easy, you know? Uh, I'm fun to play with, all right? A mulligan. You get a second chance. And that's the message today. We're going to talk about second chance. Second chance. Jonah chapter 3 is the heartbeat of this whole theme of the book of Jonah. But we are looking at the hero of the story. Now, the hero of the story is not Jonah. He's not the star of the book. It's not about the great fish. It's not about Nineveh. But the star of the story is about a second chance God. He is mentioned, the word God is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. Now, a very quick, uh, quick brief uh, recap of the first two chapters. You know, we know this, but let me just go over it real quick. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is the most wicked city of the day. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, tell them the good news. I'm giving them a second chance if they'll repent. But Jonah doesn't like God's plan because he can't stand the Ninevites. And so instead of going east to Nineveh, Jonah goes west. He goes as far west as he can go. He's running from God, but then he runs into trouble immediately. He gets on a boat, he runs into a storm, the storm and the sailors threw Jonah overboard, and God provided that whale, that fish, to redirect Jonah and to change his plan. 
And it's in the belly of the great fish. It's in that belly that the whole story changes. And God turns to Jonah, and Jonah turns to God. And we're going to see today, this morning, in Jonah chapter 3, how God takes Jonah at his failures and turns it into Jonah's finest moment. And so Jonah, it's all about the God of the second chance, a mulligan. I want you to notice three things this morning in this, in this chapter as we go verse by verse. I want to break this down for you. I want you to, number one, I want you to notice that God gave Jonah a second chance. He gave Jonah a second chance. One of the most beautiful verses in all of the scriptures. In fact, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And when you're reading it, it doesn't sound like much, but here's how I read it. Verse number one, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I want you to underline that. Underline those two words, a second time. When Jonah was in the belly of a whale, he thought his life was over. He thought, man, this is not a this is a terrible way to go down. This is a terrible way to die. This is a terrible way to end my life. I'm in the middle of this well, and nobody's going to know where I'm at. You know, people are going to be wondering, whatever happened to that guy Jonah, because I'm in the belly of a whale, and that's where I'm ending up. That's where I'm going to die. He thought it was over, that God would never use him again. He thought it all came to an end because of his failures. But Jonah was wrong. Because God is a God of a second chance. God's character never changes. He said in verse number two, he said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh. I want you to proclaim the message I give you. Proclaim the message I've given you. So God gives Jonah a second chance. But I want you to notice, he doesn't change the plan. It, God still gave him the same plan from chapter 1. The same plan. And that's important to note. Because God didn't say, you know, Jonah, I'm a loving God. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you a second chance. And I know you didn't like the plan in the first chapter. And so I'm going to tweak the plan because I want to make you happy. You know, I want to compromise. You know, why don't you just go wherever you want to go. Don't worry about Nineveh. Just make sure you're preaching the good news. Continue to preach the message. You, you decide, Jonah. I, you know, I'm sorry I put you through all the trouble. Let's tweak the plan. I want to make you happy. But God doesn't do that. He invited Jonah to do the same thing again. And Jonah... In chapter 3, took up the invitation. You see, you have an invitation, you and I, to join God's plan. But never, but God never joins our plans. He never joins our plan. Too many times we say, God, I've got a good plan for my life. And I've come up with a really neat idea, a really neat dream, a really neat plan, and it's safe, it's secure. I mean, it's going to be fun. It could be great. And so, God, I want, I want to honor you if you will honor me. 
If you are coming to my plan and embrace my plan, bless my plan. You know, God, if you can do this, I will have a nice little life. And if, so if you were to come over and just stamp your approval of my plan, but God says, I'm not interested in that. But I am interested in you joining in my plan. You see, the story of creation from the beginning to now and even future come, it's all about the grand story of God. It's never been about you, never been about me. It always has been and it always will be about who God is. God, he's the star of the story. You and I sometimes think we're the star of our story, but we're not the star. We have a role. We have a role in the grand story of the grand star, of the superstar, our Heavenly Father. It's all about him. For God has a grand plan for your life. He has a grand plan for the universe from the beginning of time. God always has had the same plan. His plan never changes. But he invites you to join his plan. Jonah had a second chance to join the same plan, and he took advantage of it. Look at verse number three. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Chapter 1, he went the opposite direction. Chapter 3, he said, okay, God, I'm listening. You've got my attention. I'm going to go to Nineveh. He obeyed, and obedience brings blessings. By the way, disobedience blocks blessing in your life. When you disobey God, it blocks the blessing that God has for your life. But when you obey, it brings blessing. I want you to notice number two in your notes, that God gave Nineveh a second chance. He gave Jonah a second chance. He gave Nineveh a second chance. Look at verse number three. So Jonah goes, he obeyed the word of the Lord, went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, preaching, this is the sermon, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, first of all, Nineveh was, again, the largest and most influential city of this time period. It took Jonah three days to walk through it, to preach, so that everyone will hear him. He had no sound system. He had no Facebook marketing ads. He had no invite cards. He went from corner to corner to corner of this great city, preaching this message. He had no praise band. He had no light. He had no PowerPoint. By the way, that's not PowerPoint, Tom. I know. Tom, Tom will get on to me. This is pro presenter, right? Or a screen, all right? But we, none of, we got the... He had none of that. He had no pulpit. And he went around and he preached from what we know, 
an eight-word sermon. Now, if you were to look in the Hebrew language, it's actually five words. He preaches five words. He said, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, this message was short. This message was direct. This message was offensive. By the way, a lot of sermons in our country would probably be better if they were short, direct, and offensive, right? 40 more days, and you guys are done. And, and, and that's the sermon he's preaching as he's walking through town. 40 more days, and it's over. 40 more days. Now, let's look at the word in the first. Let's look at the word overthrown. Overthrown. In the Hebrew language, it's a word that has a double meaning. Double meaning for this word. You could, well, for example, for our English word, we could say uh, the word bar, B-A-R, has several meanings. You know, it could be a bar of soap. It could be a, a place where you go and get a drink from. It could be a candy bar. It could be a gold bar. It could be a crowbar. Lots of different meanings, lots of different ideas with the word bar. Overthrown in the Hebrew language had several different meanings. By the way, the, the, the word for overthrown in Hebrew is the word hip-hop. Hip-hop. Can you say that word with me? Hip-hop. It's a fun word to say, isn't it? Let's say it again. Hip-hop. All right? You learned a little Hebrew today. All right? Hip-hop in the Hebrew word. So 40 more days. And Nineveh will be hip-hop. Here's what it means. It can either mean overturned and destroyed, or it could mean overturned and changed. Overturned and destroyed, or overturned and changed. Here's what it's saying in the first. I want you to get it. I want you to understand the word hip-hop and how it plays out here. John the priest, 40 days, and you will either be destroyed or you'll be forever changed. The ball is in your court. It's up to you. Hip hop. You want to be destroyed or do you want to be changed? The choice is yours. 40 days. By the way, I want you to notice. The time was ticking. The time was ticking with the mercy of God. Forty days. If you're taking note, God's mercy, you need to understand this. God's mercy is a limited time offer. Limited. You don't have forever. You don't even have a promise of tomorrow. There's no promise you will wake up tomorrow. The mercy of God is a limited time offer, 40 days. The Ninevites had 40 days to get it right. 40 days to either be changed or be destroyed. Which will it be? Now, some of you this morning, you're on day number 39. The clock is ticking. You're on day number 39 of God's mercy. 
I'm sorry, this is not one of those three steps to happiness type sermon. But this may be the one step to repentance sermon that you need to hear this morning. God's mercy is not forever. I wish it was, but it's not. There's a time period where it is done. It's over. And you have to make a decision. Whatever time period you have, the clock is ticking. Time is going by fast. Whether you like it or not, it is going by fast. The clock is ticking. The mercy of God is a limited time offer. You do not have forever to turn to him. Jonah, he preaches this message with boldness and with passion. And why did he listen to this? I mean, this sermon is, this sermon is not a feel-good message. You know, this sermon doesn't tickle the ears. I mean, this sermon is like, oh, man, this is, this is to the heart. Why were they listening to Jonah? But remember, where, where was Jonah before he got to Nineveh? He was in the belly of a whale. What, what do you think Jonah looked like? Remember, we talked about this last week. Jonah, his skin is bleak white. He's lost all his hair. All that gastric juice that he'd been in the belly of that whale that kind of made him look like a ghost. So he really stood out like a sore thumb. And, and at the end of the day, he with the message. He said, hey, 40 days, and you will be overthrown, whether for good or for bad. Look at my life. Look at what I have been through. I have needlessly went through a wrong path. And it took me forever, or I went, it took me too long to change, too long to turn around, and I'm paying the price. Do you want to live like this? And I'm sure people say, man, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but I'm listening. Because he was the sermon. He was the message. He was a powerful illustration of the needless, needless pain that we go through when we disobey God. And I'm sure the Ninevites said, man, this is what happened to us if we don't repent, if we don't change. I don't want any of that. So Jonah, he preached his eight-word sermon. He preached it. Uh, and his heart wasn't even in it. Remember, he hated his people. He didn't really want to be here. His heart wasn't even in it. It wasn't even a good sermon. He didn't even draw the net. He didn't tell them to repent. He didn't tell them a next step. He didn't have a next step table in the back. He didn't have a connection card. Hey, if you made a decision today. He didn't have any of that. But what you notice the next verse, in verse number five, and see how the people responded. Verse number five, the Ninevites believed God. The Ninevites, they believed God. I'm reminded in Jonah chapter two, verse number nine, it's not on your screen, but if you remember last week, that verse said, salvation is of the Lord. This gives me, by the way, great peace, encouragement. Because sometimes I feel like, man, I'm giving my best sermon ever. And no one has responded. You see, God, God can do whatever he wants, and it's not on me to persuade people. Salvation 
is of the Lord. That should give you great peace and encouragement. You say, well, Sean, I don't know how to share the gospel. Hey, God used this offensive, direct, short sermon. God used Jonah's message in a powerful way. He should have not got a response. That was not a Billy Graham message. But God used it anyway. Why? Because salvation is not of me. It's not of you. Salvation is of the Lord. It's God that changes the heart. It's God that convicts the heart. God is calling you, he's calling me, just to open our mouth and to share what you know. To be a witness of the grace of God in your life. And if you have Christ in your life, then you can be a witness. You may not have all the answers, but I promise you God can use your voice if you would just open. Salvation, not of you or me, but of the Lord. And the Ninevites, the Ninevites believed God. And this is powerful because no one is farther away from God than the people of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh. Remember, these people were cruel. They were known for their cruelty. They, we talked about this a few weeks ago. They, they were relentless. They were, they were proud that they were the worst people on the face of the planet. They kind of championed that. You know, they were like, hey, we are the bad boys. You know, we, we love it. We love it that everyone hates us. That, that was their mentality. And, 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 and no one is farther away from God than these people. You need to understand that for a first-time reader that's reading this book, that's reading this chapter, they would have read this, and they would have said, no way. No stinking way did that happen. They would have, they would have said, man, I don't believe that. There's no, ever, there's no way ever that the Ninevites would turn to God. That would be like me saying to you, hey, by the way, have you heard? Howard Stern is now on Christian radio, and he has a talk show about sexual purity. And you'll be like, no way. Are you kidding me? It'll be like me saying, Tom Cruise is now a Christian evangelist. You're like, no way. Really? That's unheard of. I mean, it'd be awesome, and God can. We believe that God can. It'd be like me saying, you know, Beyonce is now a gospel singer. Even more so, it would be like saying all of Hollywood are now followers of Jesus. It would be like me saying everybody on the trip at Vegas is now worshiping Jesus. They've turned all the casinos into house of worship. And you'll be like, no way. I mean, that, that's the comparison I'm trying to make here. The Ninevites, they would be like, are you kidding me? That actually happened? No way. Uh-uh. But it did. It just did. It's important to note it because maybe you feel like you've run so far from God. Maybe you're here this morning. You feel like you are so far from God that he could never give you a second chance. 
Or maybe you're thinking, you know, Scott, I've had a second chance. I've had a third chance and a fourth chance. I'm on my 100th chance right now. And it's good to know that we have a God of the 100th chance. God continues to invite you into his plan, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you, and there's no sin that you can commit. You can't run so far from God that he will stop loving you. But it saddens him when it sees you running from him because he knows the pain and the problem. He knows what you're missing out. He knows when you're missing out when you don't follow him. The God of the second chance. What the word believe? They believe in God, the Ninevites. The word believe literally means to place your whole life upon. To place your whole life upon it. Whenever you believe something, you act upon that belief. You act upon it. If you don't act upon a belief, it's not a belief. So how do you know if you believe something or not? Well, you act on it. You act upon that belief because if you're not acting on it, you don't really believe it. A belief produces action. And the Ninevites, they believed. I want you to see the action. Look at verse number five. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, from the, from the mayor, governor of the city, to the person on the street that is homeless, they all put on sackcloth, which is goat hair. Goat hair, not, not, not very fashionable. Very itchy. It'd be like putting an installation, wearing installation on and putting it on as an outfit. How comfortable would that be for you? None. They put on goat hair to represent how sorry of the wickedness that they have been living out. And when Jonah's warning reached reached the king of Nineveh, he himself rose from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. They felt sorry for their sins. The Bible said that they humbled themselves and they gave up. Just as Jonah gave up in the belly of the whale and said, God, I give up. I can't do this. And God took over and got involved and changed Jonah's life. The Ninevites, they gave up and said, God, we give up. We can't live life on our own. And God, he got involved. See, the moment you give up, the moment you stop running from God and you just turn, he will run to you. You don't have to run all the way back to God. That's a good thing. But you can stop running and you can turn and God in his grace and mercy will run to you. He will run and he will embrace you. He wants you to rest with his grace. Grace is the power to change. Only God can give you the power to change. You just have to stop running and turn to God and say, I give up. I give up. I surrender. They humbled, they humbled themselves. Look at verse number seven. 
This is the proclamation that the king issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. They, they turned from their evil ways. They gave up. And God met them. And then again, we see the God of second chance in verse number 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The God of the second chance showed them compassion. He overflowed with compassion and mercy on the Ninevites. See, God never delights in judgment. He's not the fly swatter God looking for you to make a mistake so he can swat you down. He's not that God. He's not the God with thunders in his hand with lightning bolts so he can throw it down and catch judgment. He's not looking. He does not delight in judgment. He never delights in the death of the wicked. He delights in mercy. I, I love this picture of God. Give God half a chance, and he overwhelms you with mercy. Because he's like a, he's like a father. Now, when I'm really mad at my kids or one of my kids, but I tell them, when I see them change and I see real brokenness, repentance, not just sadness over being caught, you know, but I'm talking about the, the real repentance, the heart is broken. My heart immediately breaks for them and goes out to them, and God is like that for you. He's like that. If you would just poke one hole in the, in the dam of your pride, he will burst through, overflowing with mercy. If you would just meet God, and he will run to you. God gave Jonah a second chance. God gave Nineveh a second chance. I want to close with this. It's the most important thing. God offers you a second chance. God offers you a mulligan, a do-over. The God in the book of Jonah is the God today of the second chance. If I have to do two things to take advantage of my second chance, two things. Jonah did it. The Ninevites did it. I have to do this. Number one, I have to face my failures. I have to face my failures. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Got to admit your failures. I say that because many people, they don't like to admit their failures. They like to play the blame game. They blame everybody else for their problem. They blame 
everyone else for their failures. They blame everyone else for the situation that they found themselves in. And I have to stop, and I have to take part of the blame. I have to own it. I have to admit my sin. The only people ever to get forgiven are those who admit they need to be forgiven. The, the only people who ever get healed are the ones who admit they need healing. The only people who ever get salvation are the ones who admit that they need to be saved. So I have to come to the place like Jonah did and the Ninevites did, and I, and I have to say, I admit my failures. I admit my sin. It is my fault. I own it. I got I to gotta take the blame. That's the first step. Here's the second step. I release my regrets. Release my regrets. I got to let go of the past. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, to brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken the hold of it. The greatest Christian ever, right? He said, I, I've not arrived. I've not got where I need to be. I'm still a work in progress. He said, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain, I push toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says this, he says, I bring all my energies to bear on this one thing, to do this one thing, to forget the past and look to the future. Forget my past failures. Forget my past successes. I'm not going to get stuck in the past. That's the reason why your rearview mirror says, you know, object appears smaller in your mirror, right? It's always smaller on your car than the front windshield is. Because you're not to live life driving, looking in the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror gives you perspective. I'm not saying we forget and not learn from the past. But we're not to live in the past. We're, when we're driving, I hope you're driving looking ahead through the windshield out in the future, not looking in the past. Paul says, look at the front windshield and live your life moving ahead into the future. Don't live life in the rearview mirror. Christ died on the cross for you and for me so that you don't have to get stuck in the past. He did that for you and me. Your past sins, your failures, your mistakes are washed away when you turn to Christ. He is the God of the second chance. And for some of you here this morning, you are chained. Your, your ankle is chained to the past. God says, listen, you have the keys to unchain yourself. Just give it to me and stop living in the past. Live for the future. I have a plan for you if you return to me. I am the God of the second chance. I am the God of the third chance. 
fourth chance. I am the God of the 100th chance. Quit being chained to the past and let go and let me take over. He wants to and is waiting for you to turn to him and to give up. Our Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your powerful, powerful illustration of your grace and mercy. The second chance that we have. God, you promised that when we seek your forgiveness, that you will give us a do-over and you will forget what we've done. You forget our sins when we come clean to you. And so, God, maybe there's some cleaning that needs to happen today. Maybe there's some of us here today that we need to surrender. We need to give our life to you. God, you are the chain breaker. You can break the chain that holds us back so that we can live the life that you want us to live in your grace, in your mercy, in your freedom. And so, God, we ask you to speak to our heart while we sing this last song. In your name I pray. Amen.